This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Discussing washing hands after going to a funeral a cemetery. Person's got to wash three times alternately. So one, two, one, two, one, two. And there's different reasons. Um, the Shukhana writes, if you walk through a cemetery or touch a dead human body, you've got to wash hands. And the Maharal uh, commanded the, the custom people to wash hands after attending a prayer session in the cemetery. Why? Because there's impurity in every cemetery. What's the significance of the three times? So three times is to get off. Anytime you have some kind of what's called Ruach Ra, mm-hmm. Ruach Ra, which is uh, evil spirit on the hands, the only way to get it off is by uh, using water alternately. So that's the only way you can get it off. So it, it bounces. It's like ping pong with the Ruach Ra. If you wash one hand, it goes to the other hand. You wash the other hand. Than so I'll tell you why. So each time it goes one to the other, it gets weak. It gets weaker and weaker and weaker. After the sixth one, gone. So that's the reason why the six. Similarly, the rabbi said, you're not allowed to stay overnight in a cemetery. Right? Because that's how people practice black magic. They would get in a cemetery and get evil spirits and use the evil spirits to do things. So at least washing hands can remove this harmful force from the hands. Ramban also, he says also to wash hands from coming from a cemetery. Abu Darham says it's a matter of hygiene. Clean your hands because you got dirt from the cemetery. Earth, who knows what you touched over there, and therefore wash your hands. And uh, according to that, once is enough. However, we follow the opinion that three times, alternatively, on each hand. Okay, so uh, that's the reason why we wash hands. Now, some people, they don't dry their hands. And that's a custom is, after a funeral, you don't dry your hands, but only after a funeral. If you're not going for your funeral, you can dry hands. What's the idea? The idea is, like, getting rid of the memory of the dead. I'm wiping my hands on this person. You know, there's a phrase, wiping your hands from someone means, I don't be involved with that person. So you take water, you take a bottle. Take a bottle of water with you. You know there's no water there. Take a bottle of water. At least before you come inside your house, make sure you wash hands. Sometimes I call my wife, put some water outside the house. So I wash my hands. I don't want to go inside the house with my hands like that. So as long as you wash hands, at least before you go home, at least you don't touch any food, don't touch anything. Only after funeral, or if you just went to a cemetery? Anytime you go to a cemetery. Anytime you go to a cemetery, you wash hands. You don't dry them? But a funeral, you don't dry them. But regularly you, regularly you can't dry them. Oh. Anytime you can dry them. However, a person's old, they don't want to get a cold, they can dry it. So it's a custom. It's a minhag. Why? To show up. I don't want to forget the dead person. Like, uh, I don't want to wipe my hands with a dead person, right? But if it's just for us, you're going for a visit, you're not burying someone, there's no problem. You can wash hands and you can dry your hands, no problem. When a person washes their hands, he should not hand the natla to someone else. He should hand the container, the vessel to someone else. Right? Just like we don't hand bread to someone. Or when you get Shabbat around the table, you don't put the bread and give it to someone. Why? That's the way you give to a poor person. And you don't hand this cup to another person. Why? It's like saying, hope you're going to have more events like this. Right? So never you don't hand the cup. It's like also the cemetery, you don't hand the spade, the shovel. You don't take the shovel, pass it to someone else. You leave it, put it down, and let someone else take it. So that's what a person should do, put it down, and let someone else take it. Don't hand it down to someone else.
So bread you just put on the plate and after shopping yeah. and everyone takes it? Yeah, you put it on the plate and then pass it around. You, the plate. If you put on each other's That's fine. Plate. That's fine. Just don't put it in each other's hand. Why? Because poor people you're giving the hand. So don't make people like a, you're a poor person, I'm giving you in hand. It's more covered for you to take than for someone to give you in your hand. You put it on the plate, no problem. The, huh? Isn't there a custom of uh, on, uh, Shabbat breaking and tossing it? That was the old Friday custom. The old Friday custom was... So there's a machlo between Sephardim and Ashkenazim. Ashkenazim, they cut through the bread. Sephardim, we break from the top. Now, let, me ask, let me explain to you why. Because the Gemara says that you break the bread in the place which is baked the best. So the, the, so different opinions now. Which, which side of the bread is baked the best? Is it the bottom of the bread or is it the top part of the bread? <laughs> so Sephardim, we say no, the crust on top. Ashkenazim say, let's do both. Let's cut all the way through. Give both the top and the bottom. So that became the Ashkenazi custom is to cut with a knife. Sephardim, we break with a hand and give, well, at least the first time you break it, it should be with your hand from the crust. After that, you can cut with a knife, no problem. But Ashkenazi, they give both the crust and the top. Because of this debate, what's the best part of the bread? The crustiest part of the bread. Where's the crustiest part of the bread? The top of the bread or the bottom of the bread? Okay. That's where it came from, the two different customs of breaking. However, a lot of Polskim say don't throw bread. Don't throw bread because it may fall down. So the person's next to you, just put it in his plate and pass it. That's the best thing, just pass it around. I remember the old custom was to toss the bread. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Why some people say it's better to toss the bread. Why? Because there's a concept, en ma'avim ala mitzvot. If a mitzvah comes to your hand, you're going to take it. I suppose my wife is on the other side of the table. Now if I pass the bread to someone else, he's going to take first. I want my wife to take first. How do I get my wife to take first? I'll, chuck it. I'll toss her the bread so she'll get it first. This way, there's no problem of uh, passing someone else by, passing a mitzvah by. But a person who just puts the bread in a, t- in a plate, the first one who t- holds the plate, he has to take the bread. The mitzvah came to his hand, he should let it go. So that's the reason why I think tossing the bread came, makes sense. They both make sense. So make sure you're a good shot. If you're a very good shot, nothing's going to fall on the floor, no problem. The problem is it may fall on the floor. That's why people are careful today not to throw the bread. Yeah. But first, what you do first is you have to drink. So you pour it into your cup, you drink it, and then you pour it to other people. You have to sit? You have to sit, huh? you have to sit to drink. And bread? Bread also you have to sit. Yeah. You're sitting already for a you have to sit. The Kiddush is Friday, we stand for Kiddush. On Friday night we stand for Kiddush because we're giving Edut. It's like giving testimony that Hashem created the world. We're giving testimony that Hashem created the world. We stand up for the Kiddush and then straight away you sit and you drink. Okay. So that's the, that's the law of Kiddush. Sit and drink. So Yalkut Yosef writes, as long as a person didn't go into the cemetery, or a person stood six feet away from the body, he doesn't have to wash hands. However, he says it's good to wash hands anyway. And uh, the person accompanying the body, even though he's six feet away, should also wash hands. Okay. All right. One should not one should try their best not to visit cemeteries too often. It's especially true for women. 
And some people, they love to go to cemeteries. Go to this cemetery, that cemetery. I don't know why. They love to visit cemeteries. Obviously, you're not talking about going to a sadiq. We're talking about going to a cemetery. Some cemeteries, you've got to go inside to see the sadiq. That's a trouble. There's all sorts of souls in the cemetery. There's good and there's bad. So, the person, the soul might attach themselves to someone. So that's the dangers of going to cemeteries, especially women. Harmful forces cleave unto people who spend time in cemeteries. The, the Vilna Gaon wrote to his wife, take care never to go to a cemetery. There are very harmful forces over there. They especially target women. All our problems and sins come from this practice of people visiting cemeteries. He says. So it's better not to go to a cemetery. And if you go to a sadiq, at least know where they are, so you don't have to wander around. It's not good to go through cemeteries. If you go once a year to... See, your father's whatever you go. But try and minimize as much as possible, obviously. Some people like to visit cemeteries, see people's names, and historic, you, know, you want to be historical, you know, see who's buried over here, let's see what day they died, who are they, what they are. But so the king doesn't matter, you can go anywhere. But don't go through other people, straight to the city, that's it. Now the question is, if you go to a cavern of a tzaddik and you go, don't go through the cemetery, do you need to wash hands after? And the answer is no. A tzaddik is not mitameh. For example, you go to Shimon Bar Yochai. There's no one else there. It's Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Elazar, his son. But you don't have to wash hands. So when you leave, you can pray, people pray mitcha over there. And they don't have to wash hands. They're, right, they're, right by the, they're holding the kever and praying mitcha. <laughs> you can't. So you don't have to wash hands. So uh, Rabbi Yonatan ben Uzil, Amuka, that's all there is. He's, he's the only one buried over there, so you don't have to wash hands. Rabbi Balanes, Shimon Sadiq. Okay. However, you're not allowed to pray Shachrit Min Chanarvit in a cemetery. So they, oh, if it's only one Sadiq over there, no problem. But I say the Arizal. Arizal is buried in a cemetery in Tzvat. There's not just Arizal over there. There's plenty of people over there. You don't know who they are. That's the trouble. So obviously you go to the Sadiqim and you pray Saitilim, but don't wander around. And don't pray Min Chanarvit over there. Okay? So that's a very important... Uh, okay. And even the tombs you see, uh, Shimon, Shimon Bar Yochai, the big stone over there, that's not where he's buried. He's buried underground. So you're far away. When you're praying, you're praying, you're far away from his actual body. You're not praying next to the body. But not to pray in a cemetery. It's, uh, it's called Loig Lorash, making a mockery of a dead person. I saw it to make a mockery of a dead person. For example, you can't wear your tzitzit out in a cemetery. Even Ashkenazi, they wear tzitzit out. They're not allowed to walk around the cemetery with a tzitzit out, hanging Showing up, wearing tefillin, not allowed to, wearing, making mockery. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I can do mitzvot, you can't do mitzvot, you're dead, you can't do mitzvot. And the dead get very upset. They're making mockery of me. So people, you know, people think the dead don't know what's going on, but the, the Gemara seems to say that they do know what's going on. Asur elem ken zeleilu nishmat. It has to be Lilu Nishmat. You've got to say the Tehilim for the sake of the dead person, not for you. You've got to say Lilu Nishmat, so and so and so and so. Bishud Zeh, I should have also Yeshua. Isn't it a soul should get out also? So a person can't pray uh, by Yosef Karo, Arizal, they're all in one cemetery. All in cemetery. By the way, they're still selling plots. Imagine what a big Sechut to be buried over there. Psh, I, wish I, I want to be buried in Sfat, but my wife says no. 
too far away. <laughs> too far away from the kids. Who cares? Be buried next to Arizal. Can you imagine? You're buried in the same cemetery as Arizal. Can you better than that? Oh. So, yeah, no, it's going to be in Jerusalem. It's going to be in Beit Shemesh. Oh. Okay. We're going to argue with it. Okay. So spending time in Torah study is more valuable than going to a tomb or a kever. Yeah, that is the Rabbi Yosef. No mitzvah equals the value of Torah study. Unless you need a really big Yeshua, a person is in trouble. There's nothing else to do. So he, he doesn't feel like studying Torah. What do you do? Go cry by the kever of a sadiq. And, and, and Rabbi Yosef himself, he was losing his eyesight. He went to the kever of Rabbi Yosef Karo. He cried over there. And his eyesight stopped getting bad. It stopped getting worse, at least. Can you learn so, Torah in Yerushalayim? Yeah. In the cemetery? Well, the cemetery. We're talking about anyway. You learn Torah. It's better. He says better to learn Torah than go on a trip. So if you need a vacation, you need a rest. Okay, so you go take a trip to the camper. You don't need a rest. Learn Torah. It's better. You learn Torah in honor of the dead person. Yeah. In the cemetery. Yeah, that's his question. Yeah. And the answer is, if you're saying Tehillim, you're learning Torah. What's the, what's the point of saying Tehillim? Tehillim is learning Torah. So you do it for the sake of the study. The person's going to wash hands even after being in a non-Jewish cemetery. So you pass. You go to, what's that called? Uh, all these uh, old gr- uh, cemeteries, you know, Washington. and There's lots of places near Marlboro in New Jersey, right? By the war, where the, they tried to fight. They fought the British. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and uh, so a person goes through the you gotta wash hands. Going through a cemetery, even a non Jewish cemetery, you gotta wash hands when you go through there. Now, some people say also that when you go to hospital, since there are dead people in the hospital, in the morgues, they should also wash hands. It's like, okay, it's good. So you get some of that, uh, what's it called, the stuff, the disinfectant, and you wipe your hands over there this way. It's like you washed hands. If someone touches an animal, so it's, all this is for hygiene. Touch a flea, a fly, a uh, person should at least wipe their hands, lice, whatever. Probably to wash hands after touching a non-kosher animal, such as a cat or a dog. So again, it's not talking about with a clear vessel, it's not too much, it's just clear hygiene. And it's very smart, so that we know how many germs, uh, you can get germs very easily. Mm. And it's best, so you got to, even a kosher animal, Cow, person touches a cow. Sheep, goats. You go to the petting zoo over here. Mm-hmm. Make sure you wash hands. You tell your kids, make sure you wash hands. Don't, don't walk around with the hands. You know who knows what's on the hands. After going for, uh, to donate blood, you donate blood. Mm-hmm. Wash hands also. After. Yeah. Without nafla. Without nafla. Okay. After marital relations, both men and women have to wash hands three times with a vessel. No, just like you were doing if one was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Silly person went to the restroom, the person got to wash hands. Um, okay. All right. Now we're moving on to the concentration, the meaning of the blessings. So the Meshukhar says you have to focus at least 
on the meaning of the words. Baruch Hashem, Kerem So what does Baruch Hashem mean? Baruch Hashem, blessed are you. So usually it's translated, blessed are you, Hashem. Of course, Hashem is blessed. What does it mean? Hashem is blessed. Who's blessing Hashem? You know, Hashem. When you say blessed is Hashem, Hashem does not need anything. He's right. blessed. It means he is self. It's Sufficient. But it's to remind, I think it's to remind one second, one second, me. One second, one second. So number one is, blessed are you Hashem means, Hashem is blessed, that he doesn't need my blessing. Mm-hmm. Right? Number two is, Baruch Atah Hashem is, you're the source of all blessing. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to remember that when a person says a bracha, you're recognizing Hashem is the source of blessing. Hashem is the makor. He is the makor brachot. He is the source of all blessing. Baruch Atah Hashem. You are the source of all blessing. And Lord of the universe. He is the creator of the universe and he's the he controls the universe. That's what Lord of the Universe Lord of the Universe means he's the controller of the universe. Nothing happens without Hashem's permission. When pronouncing Hashem's name, man, the person can know exactly what the bracha means. He created the fruit of the vine. Tree. Tree. He created the fruit of the ground. Everything was created with his word. You gotta know when you're saying it. Right. Hashem commanded me to sanctify me and commanded me to do the mitzvah of whatever the mitzvah is. Whatever it is. Tefillin. I going to think about the, the words they're saying. What happens That's the they, minimum. But what happens if they, you, you're taught in, in yeshiva just to, I mean, just to, to daven and with no meaning behind, with, without so the... So number one is there's davening and they're saying a bracha. Ah. Bracha is... There's different parts of the prayers. So, like, say, this all the psalms. Mm-hmm. The psalms, you don't have to know exactly what the words mean. Mm-hmm. You can have to digest of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So a person knows, I'm praising God. These words are praising God. Mm-hmm. But with a bracha, you should know what's, what you're saying. So a bracha is different. A bracha is more strict. You have to know what you're saying. <clears throat> and he, look what he says over here. This is very hard to do today. Whenever you say Hashem's name, a person should start trembling. Mm-hmm. So hard to do. But uh, I do. But I Oh, master universe. Imagine. <coughs> How many people tremble when they say God's name? Like, whippers of wisdom. He said, when pronouncing Hashem's name, a person should be filled with fear until one actually trembles. Wow. And this applies to any of the names referring to Hashem. So there's seven names in the Torah which a person is not allowed to erase. Kel, Eloka, Elokim, Shakai, Tzvakot, Yudke, Vavke, and Adnut. There's seven names that God knows how to raise. Mm. Anytime you say one of those seven names, you start trembling. Mm. How many people tremble when they say God's name? Wow. Scary. It's scary. It's important to realize, blessed are you. You're talking to him directly. Face to face. And that's why a person's going to be terrified talking to you, Hashem. Right? The king of the universe is very hard because we, have, we don't even know what it's like to talk to a king. The king today, people are not scared of any kings. Right? see the Queen of England. You know, big deal. She can't do anything to you. <laughs> so we've lost that fear. Even a cop today. There's no fear today. Mm-hmm. People walk down the street, cop, hi, how you doing? No. There's no fear. But people lost the awe. So therefore they see, they don't think, God, okay, God is like my friend. He's not my king. He's, I don't know what a king is. So that's the problem. So he says the privilege of saying a blessing to Hashem is greater than that of being alive. I mean, we have to mention, you're praising Hashem. That's an amazing gift that God gave us. 
ability to praise Him. We're like angels. Angels praise God. We can be like angels. We can praise Hashem. It's tremendous honor to praise Hashem. Tremendous honor. That's what the Menach says in Psalm 63. Kitov chastecha mechayim. Sefatai yeshabchuncha. The biggest kindness, more than life, is that my lips can praise you, Hashem. You know, the Zohar says something very interesting, a very nice line in the Zohar. It says, if I'd have been created just for this, it would have been enough. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the rabbis are talking, and one guy learns, he learns something. He says, wow, if I, if I came for this world just for this, to learn this, it would all be worthwhile. So he came to be in this world just to say one bracha, it would be worthwhile, the whole thing. Wow. We don't realize what we're doing. So it's a tremendous privilege that we human beings can bless Hashem, the creator of the world. It's amazing. So a person's got to think the words, and then they'll be inspired. If you don't think the words, you're not going to be inspired. So does Hashem take that in consideration when we're when we passed? Hashem takes everything into consideration. He takes your education. He takes who you're born from. He takes when you're born, what time period, who your friends are, peer pressure. The, the desires of this world, the Yetzirah in the world, of course, it takes everything. Everything is in account. How long does this take? How long does this process take? How long does a computer take? Split seconds. Nanoseconds. Oh. Okay, so it's very important to try and stop before you say Hashem's name. Baruch I'm talking to God. I'm talking to Hashem. And then I will enhance a person's prayers, blessings, and Torah study. Just stop. And think, who am I talking about? It's forbidden to mumble the words of a blessing. Some people eat the blessing before they eat the food. First they eat the blessing, they eat the food. They swallow the bracha. What do you say? So the person's got to be clear and slow and train our children. So this way, we say the bracha slowly, and they say amen, and they'll say bracha slowly, we'll say amen. Rav Chaim Vital, look what he says. He says, Shara Kavano. My teacher, the Arizal, taught me the main strategy for gaining access to divine inspiration. Look at this. The main strategy to gain divine inspiration is to take care, to say every bracha carefully and with the utmost concentration. Through the blessing one recites, the evil forces that attach to our food are nullified. People are scared. You don't understand. How can the food affect a person? Yeah. Things are inside the food. Who knows what's inside? Spiritually, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. We know bacteria, uh, there's viruses, all kinds of things in the food. Mm-hmm. Don't eat uh, romaine lettuce, right? Mm-hmm. Listeria, all these, all the stuff over there. And when a person makes a bracha, the evil forces are nullified. Mm-hmm. Whereas the blessings, those forces would attach themselves to the person eat them. Without these blessings, the evil forces would go inside the person. Mm-hmm. With the help of the blessings, one's physical body becomes a receptacle for holiness. He says, the Arizal kept on repeating it to him, to the Arizal, we say a bracha with kavanah, we say a bracha with kavanah. That's the source of all holiness. Source of all. Everyone should think about this every time they're about to recite a bracha. This will inspire them to concentrate properly and to recite each word carefully. And number two is with joy. I can say a bracha with joy. Now we're, we're fortunate to be in this world. We can praise Hashem. It's an ma- amazing gift Hashem gave us. It's a tremendous honor. It's an honor and privilege, you know. 
especially watch the Super Bowl. You see all the stupidity around you. Yeah. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me a, creating me a Jew. Thank God for giving me a Torah. What the, playing cricket. Uh, or a, rugby. Yeah, thing. Thank God he gave me opportunities to learn the next world. We have no idea what that means. So, you want this world? You could have this world. It's only 70, 80, 90 years. And then you're gone. The next world just keeps on going. It doesn't stop. So we're fortunate we have that gift. We have the opportunity. But down here, don't we have for the people who have passed or in our families, when we each each time we think about our parents, our mother's my mother's side, my father's side, I'm I'm lighting candles for them up in Yeah, if, if, if you do a mitzvah. If you don't do a mitzvah, nothing. So each word, every letter should be pronounced carefully. Person's got to be careful not to skip any words or blend any words together. Like Hamotzi Lechem Minats, right? So Lechem Min. So this ends with a mem and starts with a mem. Hamotzi Lechem Minats. So we say it's together. It's not two separate words. Hamotzi Lechem Minats. Person's got to make sure. Same thing as saying the Shema. The two letters, the, the last letter of the word and the first letter of the next word are the same letters. People just run on. Don't run on. Just make a break over them. Unfortunately, many people just whip through the blessings so quickly, almost no word is pronounced correctly. If they want to listen, can you imagine? But you should listen to a recording of them saying a bracha. How do I say that bracha? Mm. Scary. <coughs> so these people are guilty of saying no bracha at all. But says a bracha badly, they say a bracha. Not only that, they say may have said God's name in vain. It's terrible. And it's quite disrespectful. Yeah. You wouldn't talk to a person with marbles in your mouth. You, you try and speak distinctly. Imagine, imagine you talk to Trump with your... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me look at the story. The story is the Hazan used to pray very fast. <laughs> So on the right, he said, Hello, Rabbi, how are you doing? He met the Rabbi. The Rabbi says, said, why, why are you talking to me like Rabbi? Rabbi, I talk to you nicely. He said, I'll talk to you the way you talk to Hashem. You talk to Hashem, I'll talk to you. Fair enough. So the Chazan said, You can't do that. The Chazan said, Listen, when I talk to Hashem, it's like talking to my mother. When the baby talks to his mother, it says, And the mother knows what he wants. So I talk to Hashem like talking to my mother. I don't have to talk. Even without my expressing myself properly, Hashem knows what I want. So Rabbi says, you want to be a baby all your life? Uh, mm, yeah. Amen the amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.